You're listening to the ELA OK podcast on your plane. See if those levels will come up. And you just got to keep it close to your mi- okay. mouth just because of the speaker in the background, even though it's really good just to have that free background music. It is. I think. Garage band that. Yeah, I'm not going to have to insert it in. I think it's okay now. Test. Perfect. Test, test. Test, test. And thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast on your plan. I'm your friendly neighborhood director of secondary education in ELA, curriculum instruction office at the Oklahoma State Department of Education, Josh Flores. Did I get all that right? Yeah. I think I've been doing a lot of talking today. A lot of talking. Extroverted a lot, but lots of great discussions because I'm here at the University of Oklahoma. I mean, we're not on campus right now. We're off campus because we're just debriefing. Yeah, we're close to the University of Oklahoma, but we're debriefing after spending some time with pre-service teachers and have the best guest ever. Like, definitely is going to be the most entertaining guest ever, (laughs) dropping knowledge. (laughs) And back! Hello! Welcome to the podcast. I've been trying to do this for a while, but... Well, I didn't know that. I just thought that I wasn't interesting enough to be on podcasts. Are you kidding me? No, Oh, my gosh. You're so interesting. Look at all the people you've had on. Well, you're, like, super popular, too, so it's, like, hard to, like, nail you down. And if you're not, like, being flocked by people, you're always, like, on the computer organizing EdCamp stuff. (laughs) Well, I, I, I do tend to always be on the computer. I will agree with that part of it. Absolutely. So, thanks for having me. We just finished... Well, amazing, out all day. amazing workshops about podcasting. About podcasting. Anytime you get pre-service teachers that excited, it's a great day. Yeah, there were. That, that was a great crowd. I I've love their. Never input. seen that. I really haven't. I mean, not to put myself down or to put some other people who have come to campus. Definitely, a lot of times our pre-service teachers just do not get it yet. They don't understand the professional development aspect of it. They don't understand that Josh Flores. Just walked into the University of Oklahoma. Oh, that's no big deal. Um, Oh, yes, it is. Um, But they were so engaged. I mean, they were asking questions and had, like, when you had them break up and have talks, I mean, they Mm -hmm. were, the things that were coming out of their mouths were things that, like, as a veteran teacher, I wasn't thinking about. I mean, just very deep, deep thoughts. I definitely wasn't. I was just thinking, like, I can't wait to teach Beowulf or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that's one thing I will have to go on record for saying, and I say this all the time, though, is like maybe we discount and we don't believe in our pre-service teachers, the new teachers enough. Because I know that's one thing. um, I know you're not an ELA background, but did you know we have like new standards for ELA? Yes, I did know that. Okay, so, you know, one of the things was... uh, feedback and concerns that you know a new teacher isn't going to understand the standards Mm -hmm. and it's like we do not give enough faith into our new teachers about just how smart they are and we did a study with um, I mean it started actually here the work we did here because of you our our, uh, collaboration last summer with the ELA task force but that came out where we started a report on the implementation of the standards and we had a task force specifically of pre-service teachers at NSU Northeastern State University and it showed yeah Actually, our pre-service teachers definitely understand the standards. They're they're pretty smart. Yep. And I saw that echoed here at the University of Oklahoma because the responses that they generated about their concerns about advocacy and the status quo of education and what needs to be disrupted, I mean, they were really high-level thought-out responses that, I mean, I never considered. In, in, it took me a lot of years to even think about Um education on the scale that they were discussing it definitely and like i think i probably wouldn't even 
be concerned with those uh, topics that they were bringing up in our session today had I not had this time at the State Department. Yep. Well, and I think it was refreshing to see, because a lot of times we talk at them instead of letting them talk a lot. Um, I think higher ed, you know, sometimes, you know, they're in the class, they are expecting to grab that knowledge. A lot of times their input isn't taken as much. But it's very refreshing to see me as somebody going into the teacher prep program that they were more concerned with educating the entire child versus just their subject or grade level. And so they, even those that were in early childhood, I mean, they had they had things to say about what others were saying in secondary because they're, they're just about being a teacher and an educator. And so stepping back and looking that from pre-service teachers was really great today. It's just mm-hmm. having an opinion on the whole education of a child. And they definitely recognize the issues of teaching to the tests, which yes. I hope, I don't know how to... You know, I don't know how to support that thinking so they keep that mindset that we should not teach the test. We should teach students to read, and then they can pass a test. We should yep. teach students to do math, and then they can pass a math test. Uh, I don't know how to best support that because I know it's hard as a new teacher. You want to do what your boss says, but if your boss has that mindset, then you're in trouble. Yep. So, I don't know. We need good bosses. We do. And we, and we need, we <laughs> need people leaders. like you that come up and talk with them. I mean, a lot of times... Well. Um, we have, you know, that was one thing that I've done the last year is bring in um, people like Adam McPhail. Um, shout you know, out. Who's, shout out. Name um, drop. To, <laughs> you know, who is a principal and hiring these people. Scott Hazelwood, you know, these people who are, are really giving them a good insight um, and keep that conversation going because then they know when they get out that they have people like Josh Flores and Scott and myself as part of their PLN in the Oakland Ed or if it's Texas that they go to, but in the educational atmosphere that they can connect with mm-hmm. um, and not lose that, my well, opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the the best thing now is that it's so easy to not teach in isolation. Yep. Because you have this PLN through social media. So if you do need some research to support what you're trying to do, the maybe the authentic teaching of whatever your subject is, yeah. you can probably reach out to someone who's going to have research to back you up. Absolutely. Yep. So. No, and, and, at the, and everybody... Like I try telling them a lot, you know, we are all equal playing fields. Um, when we're all on Twitter on Oakland Ed, we aren't saying, I'm Ann Beck, I've been in the classroom 12 years, I'm this person, I'm the first year teacher. You know, we are just all educators. And so, you know, once you make those connections, you have unlimited resources when it comes to your PLN, definitely. That reminds me of like what one of the, the pre-service teachers said if there's one thing she would like to see disrupted in education, it's the tenure program. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly agree. I know it might be controversial to some, but I think that tenure, um, I mean, there's a purpose for it, but it can also be abused. Yes, definitely. And in the end, I would, I think I would still be a good teacher with or without tenure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So. I think as a teacher myself, I wouldn't push for it just because if I was getting bad at my job... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want something to protect me to keep a bad teacher in. Um, but I have been at school districts where I've seen, you know, abuses on the other side where tenure could possibly help a great teacher that just got onto the wrong child. Um, so there are, I can see both sides of it a little bit, but I think that there's more harm that comes with keeping these veteran teachers that literally aren't moving with the times. They were great teachers and they have great content, but we also need to educate the whole child in our English class. And anything that's keeping being bad teachers in the classroom is definitely something that needs to be reevaluated. I, that's actually one of the things I touched upon in there. I didn't like go into it extensively, 
but this idea that you know in our profession we the, the normalcy is change mm -hmm. like we need to be yeah. very comfortable that change happens it's part of the job not complete overhauls yeah. which is something that I think particularly Oklahoma, we've been plagued with mm -hmm. this idea that we need to overhaul everything every single year so we never have any consistency to grasp yeah. onto. But we should be up for revising and getting feedback. We're just monthly, and with everything that I'm involved in, pushing for those monthly, you know, collaborations. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have to overhaul everything, but let's take a moment to collaborate and let's see what how we can make things better. Oh yeah, <laughs> so definitely. You know, hey, so that's we don't a great have to idea. Overhaul later. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, we just are continuously making things better. And as teachers, I think we're supposed to live our life that way. I think we're always supposed to make our profession and what we're doing as a teacher better. Like it should never. We should never have a file cabinet of what dates lesson plans are going to go on what date the next year. It should always be, I have these lesson plans, what did work, what didn't work last time, mm -hmm. what can I make this, even if it's a great lesson plan, something can always be better. And so... And I'm increasingly being convinced that, you know, lesson planning needs to be more of a social thing, needs to be oh, more collaborative. Definitely. Well, why do we have, especially in secondary, why... My history teacher, my history students probably wrote more than in a lot of their English classes Whoa. in my class. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are, well. I know the ELA person, um, and I had a great English mm. teacher in my classroom, but I've also, or in my school, I also taught with a, not a very good English teacher as well. Mm -hmm. But writing and history go hand in hand with me. Like, we pulled up every ELA skill at that point. I think um, two years before I left was when we were starting the adoption of Common Core. You know, those ELA standards went into my history work. I mean, because writing was the big portion of my my um, of, of my curriculum. Mm -hmm. So I was always asking the English teacher, why can't we just work together on this? Why are we com completely being islands in our classroom? Um, so definitely can go into a rabbit hole on that one. But you had to drop the c word. Now I got to edit did. that out. So. Okay, okay, <laughs> just no, I'm just kidding. Well, it was the start. <laughs> it was the start. Whenever we were kind of. Take no, a look at things, but. but that's true. And and uh, actually, you know, my I don't know if you know this, but my wife was a social studies. She was AP no. Gov teacher. Oh, awesome! And so yeah, she got she had received comments from her students that like, man, I do more writing in this class than I do my English class. Every Ugh. day, I got <laughs> like, that. And but I don't know. My wife thought it was really important. She's kind of a snob. She you know, she's a Harvard grad, got her master's degree at Harvard, so she's kind of this like academic snob. Okay, so I'm not like your wife at all. So <laughs> I mean social studies, writing, I think you you know Yes. Could be friends. Yes, I, well <laughs> I will bow down. Harvard grad, yes. Okay, no. whatever you want, Mrs. Flores. Whatever you want. <laughs> no, she's from Harvard, so she kept her last name. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> Forgot. Yeah, yeah. Super feminist. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's important to have writing across the curriculum, yes. but it also needs to be writing that's authentic to the subject area and respects Definitely. the subject area's goals. Yeah. So I'm sure it was writing in a sense for social studies. Yes. And it's going to be different in the science classroom. It's going to be different in the math classroom. Um, as well as it should be. Yep. Adhere to the subject area's goals. I just always needed their expert advice. You know, I wasn't the ELA expert and would love to have their feedback. And, oh, but so that's that the fun part. Us, yeah. I oh, always yeah. like threw it to my uh, my social studies counterpart because we, we taught in uh, academies where I taught so we had like similar groups and then we would meet so I would meet with the social studies and the science and the math teacher because we oh, had similar cool. group of kids Yeah. and so I would always say like hey if you want to do like a like an extensive research report 
we can collaborate on that. I'll do the, you know, the drafting in my classroom, give them time to draft it and proofread and do the revising. Yeah. And then they can do all the like research part with you in your classroom. No one took me up on it, but... No, well, I mean, that's what I asked for others to do for me. See, we should have been in the same classroom then, too. All right, where can we, we find a school? I know. We, we, where can we go? Aaron Barnes. we got to create our school now. Aaron Barnes. Calling Aaron Barnes. That's like, that's like the third name drop you've had so well, far, Aaron I think. Well, Barnes wants to create her own school. Oh, she's been on the podcast, oh, sure and <laughs> also she's awesome. Oh, very like, awesome. So, I she, mean, that's the she most... be our headmaster? We can work for her, right? Would it... Is it headmaster or headmistress? But headmistress has like negative connotation. Yeah, I would think that headmaster. So, I, I'm a female. I'd want to be called the master. I mean, master. Okay. I don't think. Ma- I wasn't sure if the like the gender mattered. I'm sure that that, that there is a rule about that, but. Yeah. I mean, hold on. I have my MLA citation guide and style guide. No, I don't. Not really. I'm not that bad. I think masters should not have any type of gender. gender. Okay. Like, you know, I'm, you know, master. So that's all it should say is like Aaron Barnes, comma, master. Master. Okay. Yes. Okay. Definitely. I could go for that. I bet she'd be fun. We would probably be in a lot of trouble from your boss and our boss because we would just probably have all of the teachers, all the students. <laughs> we would be getting every single per capita of the students, you know, for the state of Oklahoma because they'd all be trying to get into our school. It'd be like you say trouble like it's a bad thing. No, it's, <laughs> it's a good thing. It's of course, thing. if you're in trouble, it means you're doing something different, maybe innovative. So it's like depends on the context of trouble. Yeah. It's like, like oh, we're in trouble because everybody wants to be in our class. Yes, yes. And yes. we need a bigger room. We need a bigger room. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's or, talk about leadership for a second. Okay. How do you? Your your position has changed a lot. You're not a social studies teacher anymore. No, no. What made you go from leading social studies to leading technology integration? You know, you're the first person that's ever asked me that. I am? <laughs> to be honest, like 100%. I thought it would be like a super cliche <laughs> no. question. Like, no, like I'm where, sitting here thinking what, like how... What? When I think, I'm sorry, but when I think of social studies teacher, I think of Ludites. Yeah. yeah. I don't think of like anybody that's going to be leading local ed chats, but I mean, you, you are... Well, and because a lot of it started from the hashtag social studies chat. Like, that's where a lot of it started with the Twitter. Um, I lurked on SS chat since 2011 when I first started beginning. Um, and so that's kind of my, my bite into Twitter. Um, how I kind of went into technology was I was a lecture-based teacher. I got up at the front of the room. I talked. And I was somewhat funny, and so my teacher, I mean, my students would, would stay engaged with me somewhat. And then uh, I had a sixth grade class. They are seniors this year, so six years ago. Um, and they were, uh, I would say, all, all night calling their fourth and fifth grade teachers, wanting to know how, <laughs> like, how did they get to be sixth graders? Because I'm just like, you know, always blaming them. Uh-huh. Always blaming them. And their teachers were like, I just took a lot of medication that year. Like, I don't, God bless you, you know. And I thought, you know what? Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's me. And so I did a poll everywhere as a bell ringer. And I had kids that were fighting over each other to get in my class because I allowed them to use a cell phone to do a bell ringer. And at that time, if they had their cell phones out, they got APP in other classes. And my administrator said it was cool that I did this. But I was like, man, if I allow them to text a bell ringer and I get people fighting, I'm, I'm usually giving tardy slips out, but I'm having people fighting to get in my class. What else is there? And I think it just kind of went from there just okay what else can I do I got a YouTube channel 
and all of a sudden people wanted to listen to my videos because Miss Beck was on YouTube. They wanted to hear you lecture yeah, because, because you're on YouTube. On YouTube. <laughs> because I was on YouTube, and I what I noticed with that was, and, and it was before Flip Classroom was you know really it was just I'm just going to record this because I'm tired of a five minute lecture lasting 30 minutes. Cause I'm like, hey you, stop throwing that. Hey you, you know because you know they can Google my information faster than what I can say it. Um, some of those kids needed that video of a reminder just because I curated the information for them in those five minutes. But my lecture time went down. Um, they would watch the video, and our time in class was just hands-on project, whether it was making presentations or doing paper mache globes. I mean, it we, we did a whole technology was just a little part of it. Um, and then we moved to Clinton after Ed Camp, um, and after the birth of Oakla Ed, I met Mr. Heim and kind of wanted to go out to that district because they were doing some really great things. Was hired as a history teacher, and then they had a tech job open up, and I took it and. Since then, I've been in technology. So, Ann Beck, flipping that's, classrooms that's, <laughs> before it was cool. Well, I wouldn't say that. Like, Scott Hazelwood made it. There's another name drop. Scott made it cool. Oh, you already dropped him once, I, I think. I dropped it once. So. I dropped that's Scott's okay. Already. Yeah. I like that guy, though. That's okay. You he can drop crazy. him all you want. Yeah, no, he took it to the whole... I, I just would video myself with a few <laughs> different things. This is what we're doing. Here's Mesopotamia. Here's the Tigris and Euphrates River. Why would this be fertile? Go. I mean, you know, that was kind of... And I could do that in two minutes, where if I said that in class, it would last 20, because mm-hmm. we're throwing things, and, you know, we're back from lunch, and we have to go to the restroom, you know. So people started having to take earbuds to my class, and we just... Very cool. Yeah. And, and everybody has earbuds. Well, back then, we really didn't, you know, not everybody had, you know, the, the technology. And um, about a couple months into it, um, I had a parent who, um, very low socioeconomic... Um, but my class was the only class her kid was passing. And she said, he wants his own iPad. Can you help him? Will you keep him engaged if I bought him his own iPad? And I said, absolutely. And um, kid just completely turned around in all of his classes because I went to... Um, I say um all the time, so you're probably going to have to count the ums in my podcast. (laughs) Went to a faculty meeting and told them what I was doing it, and then the rest of those six classes, the kids started passing because we were using Dropbox and Notability because that was his deal, keeping things together. He wasn't on modifications, but we modified it for that child made him successful. So just kind of came from there, I guess, just warm, good, feely little stories like that, and now I'm iPad girl. (laughs) (laughs) iPad girl. You deserve a free iPad for that, sorry. I do. But I, yeah. <laughs> so you changed one small thing and that changed everything. Yep. Pretty much. Pole everywhere. Pole okay. everywhere. Yep. First thing I did. Where should a new teacher start? I think a teacher what, that wants to integrate technology who's new to it, where should they start? I think start with that lesson that you hate teaching. Wow. That lesson that you hate teaching, mine was latitude and longitude. And, you know, utilizing something that would would help you teach that and maybe do it in a fun way. Because if, even if it fails, it's not going to be as bad as your best day teaching it because you hate teaching it. So even if it fails, it doesn't matter because you hated to teach it beginning. In the beginning, you're just going to hate it still. And so taking that one thing and get, collaborating with Twitter. Hey, I'm, I'm teaching this. What are some great, you know, things that I can do to make this a little bit better for my students? Doesn't even have to be technology. Because um, technology is anything that assists us with our day-to-day activities. Doesn't have to be something that's plugged in to the wall or has internet. Um, so reaching out and trying to figure, that's where I started too, is something I hated teaching and 
I knew that there, no matter what, I could make it better. That's actually one of the uh, addicting things that I did when I first started experimenting with Twitter is I combined Twitter and Google Docs. And if I had a good idea for a lesson, I would type it up in a Google Doc and I'd share it via Twitter asking for feedback from EdChat. Oh, yeah. And people would actually give me feedback. Yep. And I got really addicted to see like using a link shortener tracking how many people are actually clicking on it and watching them like go through leave comments yep how to improve lessons like this is a lot of fun actually well think about it's a flat classroom I mean you no longer have to depend on the people in your building so when I had to depend on the people in my building my lessons weren't great <laughs> like you know I mean but you, now you're depending on thousands and thousands of people that with one hashtag doesn't matter if they follow you or <laughs> excuse me. Hmm? Or you follow them, you're still, you know, you're still able to have that outreach and that feedback. I don't know if you can you do that through Snapchat? No. Okay. No. The only thing you can really do through Snapchat is make funny faces and change <laughs> your voices and just make, you know, just just have fun. That's that's what I do with Snapchat. Which maybe is useful if we have like a shy student, they could do their report on Snapchat and then send you the video. See, even with that, I'm I'm a liberal person, but even with that, for me to even at this point in the game where Snapchat is, like I don't want a kid to go home and say Miss Beck told me to open up Snapchat today. I just <laughs> don't think that would lead to a very good conversation. You know what I mean? Like especially if it's a board, you know, it just can be taken several different ways. Yeah, I suppose you're right. But I think about those students that just like their stage fright is just like too much and they Definitely, can't present yeah. for the class. So I would have them use um, Go Animate at mm -hmm. the time or where they whatever those apps are where they create like a caricature of themselves and it would present the presentation. Telegami be a good one. Sure. Yep. Where students can become their own little avatar. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. I think that's how Go Animate works. Yep. Telegami I have not used, but that's it's easy. It's fun. Okay. Or what's the other one where it's like puppets? Um, sock puppets, and then you have uh, Puppet Pal, and yeah. then Toontastic are all different ways they can put their voice to. One of my favorite ones is Shadow Puppets, because they don't have to necessarily have a cartoon character, but they're just using their voice theme with background, voice, background music and text, and they can tell their story. All so, free. So if a whole faculty wanted to become more, I don't know, adept to the ed tech world, mm -hmm. what's an app they should explore together? Or um, a technology they should explore Two together? apps that I will say are, because I'm big about content creation and student creation and productivity. Like, those are my three big things. And um, so anything on the iPad has to be creative. It's not, I don't want a flash flashcard app. I don't want to see students on Study Island doing assessments. I want to see them creating something. Oh, Study Island. Yep, oh, Study Island. Um, two apps that cannot live without is um, Book Creator and Explain Everything. And they are books or apps that students can create their own EPUBs. They can create their own videos. They can print their own, make their own PDFs to print if you wanted to. But it's something that the teacher and the students are using for content creation or to demonstrate mastery. Either one. But it's a blank canvas and the students have to create with it. Those are the kind of apps I like. It's nothing that's pre-filled. It is blank canvas and you're going to do it. I love blank canvases. That's what I love too. It's like my approach to life. Well, I hate whenever we as teachers think we have to give them a template. I'm like, no, because they let them create and use theirs as a template because I got better stuff for my students than what I could have ever dreamed up, period. Like, You know what? 
Let me give you a plug here because uh, I, earlier this week I recorded a podcast with uh, teachers that were helping us develop assessment performance level descriptors. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we spent three days locked in rooms trying to agree on words. It was crazy. It was so much nerdy fun. But we did a podcast um, afterwards. And uh, shout out to Amber Donaldson, who Ooh. was at iPad Palooza. Yes. And she was saying how she wanted to implement one of the. Oh, do you want to. One more. Yeah. Uh, she was giving a, you know, shout out to iPad Palooza because she learned about this one app, and she said all she had to do was say, okay, doing our reports and we're doing this, and I want you to show me what you understand and comprehend using this app. Here's the app, and that's all she did, and the students just figured it out like magic. We had this idea, and I think probably one of the biggest things when I go into schools for professional development that I do is I tell them, you don't believe me, but I can walk into a room of four-year-olds and show them Book Creator, and I never have to give them one bit of instruction. All apps are created with the very similar icons, what picture roll, camera roll, what drawing is. Um, iPads are designed for 18-month-olds to be able to open in less than two minutes. Like, that's what these are. And we get so hung up on, but I have to know the technology first, that we we don't, exactly what you said. Find something that you feel comfortable with or say, here's one that you could use. But if you have others that can export as a video, as an EPUB, as a PDF, you're more free to use it too. Because we want our students to be able to be be able to be comfortable with the tool they're using as well. And that's the great thing about the technologies. We no longer have to say, you need to get a three-ring binder that's an inch and a half. <laughs> we allow them to pick, I need you to find an app that you can do this, this, and this with, and I want a list of the app because I want to put them on my iPad too, but this is what I require from you. And we should just be able to leave it from that and just get make sure they have the device. We're yep. such control freaks. We want to be able. We have to. We have to control the situation. We think it all should look the same. That everybody's presentations and things should look the same. When we are not the same. Sameness. That will be the downfall of our it education is. system. <laughs> it is. It's an over. I mean, and that's. Um, of course, explain everything, guy. Maybe if he hears this, or um, could probably be in trouble for that. But you know, the explain everything is fixing to go to a cloud-based app that schools can buy subscriptions to. Do I think explain everything would be great for schools? Absolutely. I'd love to go into school where every teacher knew how to use explain everything. All the students were using a great tool. But we put those blankets over our teachers a lot. Like we're going to buy this and we're all going to use it instead of allowing our teachers to be the expert in the tools that they need to purchase. We just buy a whole blanket school license for things. So I like the idea of saying, this is what I want from you. You need to find the product and the the app to, to deliver this contact with me. So two thoughts. One is, uh, you're absolutely right about the iPad because I am amazed how my not even three-year-old kid already can navigate everybody's phone and my iPad mini and the Nintendo Wii just like no problem and I've never taught him how but he's like seen me and like you know picked and searched and but now he can go straight to Moana whenever he wants yep <laughs> or go to Netflix to watch Chuggington which I hate Chuggington but I love Moana Chugga Chugga Chuggington <laughs> okay you've watched it oh I can sing oh, the theme God. song oh <laughs> god yeah well, anyways that's a parent gripe um, but yeah but then I'm also like also as a parent and a gamer I'm super proud about how adept he is at Yoshi's Woolly World <laughs> well I got one Mario. better than that my five year old 
So we got a Chromecast. We're getting. I'm trying to wing my husband off cable. So we only have cable. We only have one one satellite box right now. So I'm trying to get rid of all cable. And so we bought Chromecasts for my kids. Mm-hmm. And so I was showing my five-year-old how he can play his Netflix using the little Chromecast icon on his iPad, and it will show up on the TV. Well, I go in there the next day, and he has gotten his iPad out playing the Sonic game, and he has found the Chromebook, and he is casting YouTube Sonic game videos onto his Chromecast because he has to watch the Chromecast while he's playing the Sonic game so he can get all the cheats, and he's five. I didn't, I mean, like... Obviously an awesome child. (laughs) Well, but that's my point is, like, we have to have PD sessions for hours with teachers (laughs) on how to do this. Like, and I'm not meaning that bad ways. I'm just saying, like, we have to, like, have an in-service day to be like, hey, this is how you airplay. And I'm going in, and my five-year-old is airplaying YouTube channels, so he learns how to play the Sonic game better. And I'm like... Can you just come to work with me tomorrow, please? <laughs> You're right, adults. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? He's like, you know, and his uh, his brother's mad because he's like, he's got the iPad and the Chromebook. He can't have two devices. And my five year old's like, well, how am I supposed to learn then? You know, and it's just it's a very proud techie person's moment there. And I'm like, ah, oh. five year old taught himself how to do that. But what did kids do before they were like? <laughs> game FAQ videos. Or when you had to turn the knob on the TV. <laughs> oh, I remember of, that. I do too. And like adjust it so it actually comes out clear. <laughs> yeah, no, I, they, they would they would think we're crazy. Nutso. Oh, I, I think I forgot my second point because that was really good. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I, I will ask, because you mentioned uh, productivity as an interest, but what's the best app for productivity? Google. I mean, it's not necessarily a thing for the iPad or the phone, but um, Google add-ons for sheets, for any kind of forms, um, for mail merges. I'm doing almost everything for free without having to have a Microsoft suite. Um, It just really has transformed how I do things. Google Calendar has kept my husband and I married because if it wasn't for the calendar... We used to say the same thing. Yes. If it wasn't for the calendar, I don't know what we'd still be doing. Wonderlist. I don't know if you're it's spelled W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T. Um, we have our grocery list on that. Anything that I check off, it goes to my husband. So I think of productivity mostly because it started in my personal life and then branched out to my professional life. I think that's important. I think you have to make your life productive as a whole before then you're able to kind of take that into your professional too. Um, or your priorities are wrong. <laughs> you know, if you're being more productive in your professional life than you are in your family life, I, and I've dealt with that too, that, you know. But Google, definitely Google has, has kept me in check, has kept me, um, organized. My Google Drive, my house is a mess, but my Google Drive is pretty organized. <laughs> <laughs> Again, about priorities. <laughs> I guess that was my second point. So you mentioned like buying into just one product and just using that one product as a school district. What do you think about these districts that are just buying into Google, Google Apps? Because my life would be easier uh, and it has become easier mm-hmm. Now that a lot of school districts are just buying and just becoming Google, yeah. which I will be fine if we just all just submit and just 
give ourselves to Google. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be okay with it. They do it so well, I think. I've, I've talked to um, like one of my friends uh, from EdCamp. We were talking about this, too, and there's a lot of tech companies resistant to go to Google because unless you can tell me who Google is, I'm not going to them. I mean, and I think our life is already surrounded by that. I don't know if, it's, if it is a security issue or if it's more of a resistance to change type of issue. Um, but the point is, is whatever, whatever motives it is for Google, and, and those are some what some people argue, our students in high school, no matter what, they're getting Gmail accounts without the educational presence. And so those students that are coming into the college, and we're piloting Google Apps for Education because we are a Microsoft college, but we see the importance of our students realizing what Google Apps can do before they get into the school. You know, we've already realized they already have Gmail accounts. Like, you don't have to introduce people to Google. They already know. And so... I'm on board with you because they're already using it in their day-to-day life. Like, they're already utilizing it when they realize, oh, we can have an educational YouTube channel? Absolutely. Um, You know, you have a drive, you know, the features of drive or the collaborative are completely different in a domain than what they are, you know, on a personal level, but they're not intimidated by it because it's just like their Gmail account they made their Facebook account with, too. So, um, I'm completely on board. Um, Google Apps is free where others aren't and so a lot of school districts are going to that but I think it's a great move in just making education relevant in every other life that if we have our school accounts as Google and our students are seeing Google outside of the classroom too I think it just ties into it being just who we are and learning and not just something that schools use and something that we use outside of schools. So I was strategic when I had my students actually start Google accounts. Absolutely. Uh, It was during my unit about, well, careers, because I noticed at my school there were, there was like 20% returning freshmen, and I thought, that's a problem, because if they're 20% having to retake freshman year, and also I think freshman year is important because that's also the bottleneck year where dropout occurs, Mm -hmm. I think we should be getting them prepared to fill out a resume. Yeah. So that's what I switched our previous report, which was on like the Renaissance period, who cares? And I switched it to where they're researching careers. Um, and so I had to have this talk about creating a professional resume and having a professional email address. Yes. And I said, no one wants to hire you if your email address is babyg32 at yahoo.net, you know, whatever. Like, no one's going to take you seriously. So create a professional one. Let's practice that now with parent permission. Yeah. And they created a professional Gmail account. And then that made everything else in my classroom so much easier once they learned how to use that in Google Docs and Google Drive. Well, and I think that, uh, and we have such a difference, you know, depending on what school district, and I'm sure other states are that way, but I've just noticed in Oklahoma, you know, I've been around a lot in different school districts, and we just have a complete, like, a huge gap between school, you know, students who are using email efficiently before they graduate high school versus those that have never even opened really an email account besides their notifications for Facebook. And I think that in itself is a very important aspect. I know that's not really what the conversation tended to, but, you know, our students have got to learn how to email proficiently. I mean, they've got to be able to be to use for that tool before they step foot onto a college campus. I think that definitely needs to be... Um, emphasizing the college readiness plan because that's probably our biggest complaint with some of these students is that they don't regularly check their email. They don't have those tips and tools to make sure that they can manage their email accounts. I mean, and that's it. I mean, do you have... 
I struggle with managing my email all the time. You know, and that's something that we've learned as a professional that since all the correspondents are coming that way, that's something that we really need to be putting into more of our high school curriculum to get them ready. Because they're so dependent on scholarships, so dependent on information through their email that if they have never been, just like paying bills, you know, if they have never been responsible for maintaining an email account, it's something that can definitely get out of their out of hands very easily. And in college, they're missing out on money, they're missing out on opportunity, um, and things like that. And I think employers will say the same thing. I wish we had... Can't, I mean, I can't remember how many principals I've had that said, you need to check your email at least twice a day. And I'm like, oh my God. who's only checking it twice a day? Like, who are these people? You know, because I'm checking it all the time, not too much. So I think that's a huge thing that we need to gear towards, too. Kind of giving me a panic attack because I'm thinking of all the emails <laughs> I need to get to. and <laughs> I, have I know. Not when you think of emails, like, <gasps> <laughs> like, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> well, I've literally been, like, locked in a room the past three days yeah. on PLDs and so I got a lot of the emails respond to. I've been with you since lunch and I'm already panicking because it's like oh my gosh the number just keeps rising. Alright we gotta um, go check our emails now. Yeah, okay so see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Email on your plan. Do you have do you have Boomerang for Gmail? I do use Boomerang. Um, right now um, I'm using the Microsoft app just because it does a very good job at putting things in my inbox okay. and focused. However Jonathan actually is really pushing me towards using hop 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 and i did look at it at camp this weekend and it's very smart it's a very smart notebook i just feel like at this point i'm really afraid it's going to hide things that i don't need hidden like clutter did with microsoft like when we went to the clutter feature came a lot of my stuff that wasn't clutter went to clutter and just getting the habit of checking those things but i really do like the microsoft app because it does curate things um but hop has the boomerang feature built into it interesting so you may look at that jonathan loves it i'm you know i i have a system with evernote and it just works oh for yeah me. i've seen your like, system I and it's forward I'm jealous. It to evernote and i will just set a reminder on there and then it's like also on my calendar and it pops up on my device we so need to like sit down and just do that like one-on-one like really you show me the. i know a lot of evernote now is paid is that, that right which, which stinks it does stink but does people stink. are used to it it's very much well worth paid service because yeah. of how it keeps your stuff together yeah it's a shame but yeah it is for me, and I have the Evernote scanner, and, you know, I'm constantly sharing stuff with teachers, and sometimes that's the easiest way to keep track of, like, articles. Like, even today, like, the PD that we did together for the pre-service teachers, I was using, I just went to my Evernote, looked up the articles that pertain to podcasting and the standards that I aligned that to, and I was able to link it directly there. And See, so it's awesome. saved there in case the website ever goes down, which happens. Mm-hmm. I still have a copy of the article that's clean that I can use. And so, you know, Evernote just seems to work for me. I don't like paying the extra, but, yeah. But sometimes, and that's that's something I pay, I, I fall into all the time, is especially some apps like Explain Everything that are paid, Book Creator that are paid. You know, sometimes for these services, like, if you want it to be, you know, the way your job is, you need to be reminded. You need these, I mean, you need to make sure that this stuff works. When you're using a free service, you're really not guaranteed that, because who are you going to sure. gripe to? You know, and so some of those services sounds like with what Evernote has done, it ha- should have been a paid service. Like, you know, it's, I yeah. mean. I mean, it, and it's worth it for me. It's just, like, saves me a lot of steps. Yeah. It keeps me organized. But, you know, it's one of those things that, well, I think it's just common in our profession. Yeah. It's one of those things that I have to fork over out of pocket in order yeah. to do my job well. Yes. And like, it's like, we have to invest in ourselves. I'm not going to get the money 
from the bosses, I can't justify it because other people are doing their job. But are they doing it, it as efficiently as you, though? I mean, maybe. Um, see, but this is, this is my problem, and this may be a different podcast. Okay. <laughs> is that you go to your bosses and you say that, uh-huh. okay, because the other people are doing it efficiently, but because you have these tools, you're doing what five people can do now. Because I feel like Google uh, yes. has done that for me. Like... I'm saving you money because now, really, technically, the way I'm doing things, doing it right, organization, I'm collecting all the data that you want collected. Sure. You know, I'm saving you about five people's worth of salary. So, I mean, in that aspect, those other people may be doing their job correctly, but are they also doing probably what would take three people to do in one day because you have the tools like Evernote? And that has been an issue in the past. I have worked in um, areas where... I convinced and had bosses that were supportive of an idea I had, and so they will provide me the equipment I need to fulfill those goals. But then that uh, seems to get, uh, you know, envy or jealousy yeah, even true. from others because they're like, "Well, why does he get X, Y, and Z?" It's like, "Well, because I'm doing this. What are you doing?" Yeah. Like, if you want to do it too, then you absolutely deserve the equipment as well. Yeah. But. Just because you've been here, I don't know, 20 years, and I have only been here two, but I get this new equipment, maybe you should try to step out of your comfort zone. Yep. You know, but I think that's another aspect of professionalism that yep, could be that another podcast. That goes back to, to yeah, definitely. We, 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 we need, that, can be our fo- that can be our follow-up podcast. And we'll need one. Yes, like, definitely. Absolutely. After all, all of the different rabbit holes I've taken you down, right? Which... Not different rabbit holes, but very, like, much topics that interest me that I wanted to ask yeah. you about. Oh, well, thank you. But I'm you're so interesting enough. we got to do another podcast. <laughs> I would love to. Love to. i got to ask you my question I like to ask every podcast guest. Okay. What needs to be disrupted in education? Something that hasn't been discussed nearly enough. Um, I would say the BYOD in my field, the bring your own device in secondary. What do you mean? Um, just kind of with working with some different districts and looking at some different things, I think that some of what is prohibiting some school districts into going forward and really having their teachers embrace the technology and, and to really make those disruptions and those changes is the money to buy devices. And I'd really like to put out more resources for schools who are encouraging their students to bring what devices that they have. Um, I think that we don't necessarily all have to be on one device at one time. It worked very well for my classroom to have four or five devices in my classroom. Um, But kind of those conversations because we're not giving equal education when it comes to depending on where you geographically live. And um, some of our, and then I feel like when I was at Clinton, you know, we would give devices to certain students and then they'd be like, well, this is my school iPad and this is my home iPad. And it just felt very entitled to me. It's like, no, I want just your iPad to be you. You know, I want you to, so really kind of maybe putting that into um, more school administrators' ideas of that we don't necessarily have to purchase, we don't have to manage, we don't have to control everything, but really teaching our, especially our secondary students, to use this device not only now, but through their college and career readiness, and not necessarily have to feel like we have to um, maintain those devices, that we have to manage those devices, and really giving our students a voice and giving our students the benefit of the doubt of maybe to allow them to, we don't buy them their pencils, so why do we feel like we have to provide them, which of course cost-wise, but some of these already have them in their pockets and in their, at home anyway, so 
very long explanation. I'm sorry, but that's no, been that something good. that's been very much on my mind in conversations I've had with principals who are like, we can't afford iPads. We can't afford even Chromebooks. Like, what do we do? And it's have them bring them from home and getting teachers not scared to allow the students to bring their own devices to school to start utilizing those. Have you ever been down to visit Howe, Oklahoma, with Tammy Parks? No, I have not been down to visit her. I mean, I'm, I'm talk with Tammy a lot. We are both owl fans with the big, the horned owl that's televised. That's another podcast, too. Huh? But okay. Yes, well, that's another uh, podcast, too. No, it's, right. a, it's, a, it's an owl cam that's little baby owlets we talk about our little owl can that we watch all the time but i've not <laughs> okay. been to how i've not been to how i'm thinking like the online writing lab <laughs> oh no, yeah no no like, it's it's actual owls hooting owls hooting owls yeah yeah we both love nature so we, we okay we talk a lot about that as techie uh, as we are we love nature i just think they have like uh, they do such a good job of like getting the technology out to kids in like in a meaningful way I know that's one of the things that bums me out is that we could, like, I would love for teachers to always bring a laptop to my session so we can get some real work done. Mm -hmm. Not an iPad, but like a laptop. I think that's like the most effective tool. But we, like, need to, we need to have a podcast about that. Okay, because I'm sure you have some ideas on how to make the iPad more effective. Very much so. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but I'm I'm not there yet. I don't know how to. Like, I, I need my Mac Air. Like, that's the best tool for me. Because I need them on Google Docs. I need them creating stuff on Google Docs. And I just don't think Google Docs... On the iPad is... Yeah. Not the best. Yep. I feel the same thing with the phone. Like, that's why I like Evernote, too. Like, I feel like it functions really smoothly on the phone. Whereas Google Docs, not always. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. So, like... It's, again, free. It's a free free. service. So... But then, like, if they can't afford it and they only have, like, their school laptop, it's always, like, burdened by, you know, those administrative programs on it. Yep. You can't download this. You can't download that. Yep. Which is, I mean, even right now, I'm not using my work laptop to do our podcast. I'm using my personal laptop. Yeah. Because I invested in myself because I know this is what's going to help me get the job done. Yep. (laughs) No. Speaking to the choir. Yeah. Uh, Well... Guess what? Is it has it been the plan time? Yeah, our plan time's <laughs> over. Plan time is over. <laughs> okay, and so I feel like I have so many topics. Like we didn't even like talk about necessarily PD and how to disrupt that, but that has to be another podcast. That it has to be. Well, I, I tend to get talked too much anyway, so I I get on. Well, that's the whole tangents. point. Like I want to hear your ideas and like and like iPad Palooza. Talk about that for a second. What do we have to look forward to this year? I'm excited. The theme is rock bands, bigger or er, back and better instead of. Um, we're kind of going over the an appetite for instruction instead of appetite for destruction, the Guns N' Roses theme. Yes. Um, so we're doing, we're really encouraging, we're taking proposals right now for people who want to present. Oh, really? Um, so I can submit? It is open for people to submit proposals. Where do I submit my proposal? Um, you should have got an email, but you have not seen your email. Because I, all I the person, email, yeah, you said so. you said you hadn't checked your email. <laughs> but all of our presenters from last year received an email yesterday with a new link for proposals. Because of course, because last year it was amazing. If I could just replicate that, and everybody that presented last year come back because that was just an amazing time. 
Um, but uh, we're really encouraging the people to present to do their uh, workshops in rock band themes and album titles. So if you don't do that, I will do it for you. So if you just give me a generic yes. title, I'm going to turn into a Michael Jackson album probably, and it may have something about I'm bad in it. Brilliant. You know? So that's kind of it. 25th will be for our pre-service teachers. The 26th will be open to all K-12 educators. We of what month? Of August. Yes. Sorry. The first weekend, we're back on campus. I really, really need help from you, Josh Flores, to try and help me get other um, College of Ed's students on campus for that Friday. I really want that Friday to be a day that not just OU pre-service teachers are learning, but it's a place all College of Ed pre-service teachers can come to and learn, and it's just a day just for them, because I don't think we have a day just for them. I mean, like, if we want them to get into PD and enjoy PD, then why aren't we, you know, we need to have them connected with OSU students and UCO students and, you know. I, I got to give a shout out to NSU. They do a good saying, job yeah. traveling together. Like, I think they brought the NSU English Ed Department, brought teachers to OCTE, the Oklahoma um, Teachers of English yeah. group. Cool. They, like, travel together from Tahlequah. Well, I'd love for... And they even brought... They traveled together to get, be at Ed Camp. I don't know if you were aware of that. No, I wasn't. Yeah, so they do a good job of that. But okay. yeah, we need to give a shout out to Shelby Witte. Okay. Definitely give a shout out to Professor Laura Searcy for yes. doing that at NSU. That's great. Well, I think she came to IPAP Police last year. I'm almost pretty sure she did. Maybe. Huh. Okay. I could be. I gotta look back. I or maybe she was trying to and didn't get to. But I know. Well, she will. Uh, I'm sure she'd be willing to share this with her. Would love yes. service teachers. She does a good job of doing that. I think she has like one of the most innovative ways to do curriculum because uh, they do kind of simultaneous like teaching between their Tahlequah campus and their Broken Arrow campus. So she uses Google Docs in a way that I that has helped me improve the way I use Google oh, Docs. Oh, cool. Actually, you I'd should love to have check out her pre-service teacher curriculum. It's really, really awesome how she's adapted it to make it, you know, an authentic classroom experience, even though they're through a, uh, you know, um, virtual environment. Yeah. No, I'd love so for her really to present cool about that on, on that Friday, too. Because that's, that's a something, good idea. Yeah, because yeah, I'd like to have totally it geared should. towards the... Advanced and even have Google a, Docs. Yeah. Advanced Google. Well, how can we make that into a rock title session? What do you think oh. about that? Think about that. So that those are our days. I think she's more into the gangster rap. Okay. So, so gangster paradise. Let's see. Um, <laughs> was Oh, no, no. Your favorite one, because it went on my playlist after you tweeted it, was it really? was a good day. No. Oh, yeah. Ice Cube? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Ice Cube. All the time. Yes. I know all everybody's the time. like in the biggie. I'm more of an Ice Cube Ice Cube, dude. me too. So but, like, I'm always rolling it out. Honestly, like I grew up on rock and roll. Like Nirvana, uh, Alice in Chains, First Love. Okay. Definitely Michael Jackson. Ace of Base. Those were my <laughs> Ace of Base, Green Day. Um, do you remember Fiona Apple? Remember oh, Fiona Apple? Fiona. Um, yeah. Natalie Imbruglia. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Bird Pipe. I mean, like. <laughs> we got to end this because we're going to go to a karaoke bar next. I don't know. So, are we, we going to have like a karaoke after party? We, I want, yes, yes. So I want, the original Sh iPad please does karaoke Surely there's like a karaoke lunch. app on an iPad or something. I'm positive, yes. I, I do actually have it. But nobody there. use your iPad to record that. No, it has to be recorded and put on Snapchat because then it disappears. No, no. Oh, okay. okay See, okay, that, now fine. I'm going to get that's you into fine. Snapchat because we can video you singing well, and then it disappears. I don't know if you will, but... <laughs> 
The Snapchat thing will happen. I, I got nothing else to say. <laughs> I'm just going to end it there before it goes straight downhill. Straight downhill. And thanks for being a guest. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It thanks is... for coming to campus today. Heck yeah. Awesome. Anything for you. Like, it's thank always you. fun hanging out with you and learning from you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Uh, so until next time, take care of yourself, take care of your students, and take care of each other.